So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin, uh, here with your friend and mine, David Hampton. Once again, connecting through the miracle of the worldwide interweb. I'm, <laughs> I'm off in Florida, uh, and David is hunkered down. I've been watching the weather up there, dude. Yeah. Uh, Lovely. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we had a big, uh, for, for Nashville and uh, the area, we had a big six inches of snow, um, which just, you know, threw people into complete and utter uh, chaos, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, it's the same old, same old. Every, every winter, we're all surprised and we're all acting like we're about to be, uh, you know, snowed in for the duration <laughs> of the winter. The bread and milk immediately disappears. From it the is right the then. bread and milk, toilet paper, and uh, God, you know, it, the supply chain uh, issues uh, aren't bad enough. Yeah. But now we're throwing snow on the top of it, and then you throw some COVID in on that. And oh, um, last man. week, I saw clients from you know the like you said the miracle of technology from my house uh, for yeah. two days. So um, you know. And I see you've got, there's another uh, named winter storm. They're naming winter storms now. So there's another oh, nice. named winter storm bearing down on Nashville. And here's the crazy thing. My, my son and daughter-in-law, they're two young children. They live here in Amelia Island, Florida, where Allie and I presently are. Mm-hmm. Um, they are so uh, excited about the, the prospect of seeing snow. Oh, gosh. They have with some friends rented a place in Asheville, North Carolina, and they're taken off early in the morning to drive up there <laughs> to be there when the snowstorm hits. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, good What's for up? them. We got people get... coming south to get out of the snow. We got people north going north to get into it. Yeah, I could just send them some pictures, you know, me and <laughs> my crazy but... dog out there trying to find, you know, it throws her game off too, Lily, my, yeah, my yeah, yeah, great yeah, yeah, Pyrenees. Yeah. You know, she um, goes outside to do her deal. Yeah. And she looks around <laughs> like somebody had laid a blanket across her best yeah. <laughs> patches of grass. She has no yeah. idea where to go. She sniffs for, you know, a yeah, yeah. city block looking for a place yeah, yeah. to squat. And uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Lord, I could send I could send your son some pictures, but I don't guess that'll be the same for him. So no, 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 no. Uh, their, their friends actually have sleds. They're packing sleds. Oh, you know, they're, they're, but, and if I, I guess that's human nature. I think we, uh, it all, 
<laughs> someplace else always seems a little more exotic than the place yeah. we are, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad they're going there. They're making yeah. memories, and I hope they don't get stuck up there. So, uh, COVID, have you managed to stay healthy? Well, as far as I know, um, yes. Okay. I mean, I had a close call. I had to take a COVID test uh, last Sunday. I had a client come in on Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, he came in on, well, yeah, he came in on um, Monday and called me on Wednesday and, you know, yeah. said he had tested positive. He didn't know he was sick. Um, yeah. His whole family had it and he got tested. He was positive. So I had to wait a few days and then go down and get my COVID test, which is, you know, always nice yeah. and fun. And um, But I'm, I'm negative and I thought I probably would be, but, um, you know, I've got all yeah. the vaccines and boosters in the world. But you know what? Uh, so does everybody else who's getting COVID these days. So, yeah, right. you know, yeah. that's a, it's scary. Yeah. Well, we've dodged COVID, but we still managed to uh, land in the hospital for a few days. Allie and I yeah. had three days in the Amelia Island Hospital, which turns out to be a wonderful little community hospital. We couldn't be oh, that's more great. delighted with with the care she received there. But it was a, yeah, we thought she might have to have surgery. It came really close to surgery for a, yeah, a gastrointestinal issue. Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, still not, still not completely out of the woods. There, uh, surgery is not out of the question. But for now, at least, they're treating it in other ways, and she's home and on a yeah. modified diet. And, yeah, yeah. Well, that, I hope that yeah. uh, hope that corrects itself without any uh, invasive uh, stuff. But uh, yeah. I know that's yeah. been uh, wearisome for both of you. In the meantime, things like that, they can disrupt your uh, schedule. I'm, I, here's the one thing that uh, has been so crucial to me in recovery is developing healthy routines. Right. Uh, um, like leaving Franklin is yeah. in itself, uh, you know, and uh, that's a disruption of routine. Right. We get down, get down here to Florida. We get into the little rental condo. We kind of get things settled. I start to build a routine. Thank God I still have phone contacts with my close friends mm-hmm. in Tennessee and I'm getting my daily conversations that can help me out. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden that routine is shot to hell because you've got to be, you know, in the hospital all day. Right. Um, it's a, it's a challenge to keep. It has been for me. I, routine is so crucial to, mm-hmm. to, to my sobriety. Yeah, structure and, uh, for sure. Man, it's just—it's uh, been really difficult mm-hmm. uh, ever since uh, the first of December to build and maintain a healthy routine. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Yeah, that new normal for yourself. <laughs> okay, hey, we have a guest. Uh, we have a guest who can uh, speak to this and many other issues. You're going to want to hear this conversation. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. We're going coast to coast this week on the podcast. (laughs) Covering the span of the country, Nate. Oh, man, I have been walking along the beach here in the Atlantic Ocean. And our, but our guest is uh, on the Pacific Ocean, 
You want to introduce our guest, uh, David? Yeah, I would. Our guest is uh, Shireen Jonti, and um, she is um, the Senior Director of Mental Health and Addiction Services for Music Cares. And uh, oh. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure all our listeners maybe are familiar with Music Cares. Uh, it's um, an arm of the Grammy Association and um, that is actually working with uh, a number of different needs that musicians have, and they take in um, a, an amount of money every year that gets divided up um, in different ways. And a lot of it goes to behavioral health and recovery care. And uh, being in Nashville, I'm real familiar because I uh, received uh, help for a number of clients who qualify for Music Cares. But Shireen is uh, not just the Senior Director of Mental Health and Addiction Services, but she also has uh, a recovery story of her own that kind of, uh, I imagine, landed her in this area of work and uh, and I believe is also a licensed alcohol and drug abuse counselor. Um, and uh, so, Shireen, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hello, hello. It's great to be here. That's well, great having you. Um, I, I always uh, tell people, you know, most of us that do this kind of work with recovery, uh, especially don't just wake up one day and think that'd be a great career. Most of us have <laughs> a background that, uh, we, uh, through our own story and path of, uh, coming to health uh, landed us here. So, uh, tell us a little bit about you and your story and, uh, how maybe you landed in this kind of, of work with music cares. Sure. Well, um, my story is similar to, to many, you know, they, as they say, there's a, there's a saying, this story may be different, but you can relate to the feelings being shared. Mm -hmm. And I just, as I started learning just about myself, um, as a young girl, um, I'm an only child and my parents divorced when I was five mm -hmm. and my father, uh, is Iranian Russian and my mother Polish Russian but I'm first generation born here in the States. So at five years old, when they divorced, my father took me to Iran with him. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So he moved back there. I went back there and that right away set the tone for me to feel different, you know, a part of, um, but you know, the common thread that, that I hear a lot is no matter whether you come from what background, what family, what class, um, someone who is like me, um, who I call myself a recovering alcoholic, uh, you know, that whether, whether you have love, didn't have love, whatever the story is, there's always this part of you that just never felt right. Mm -hmm. Never felt mm -hmm. like you quite fit in, never felt, you know, good enough. And I just remember always from a very, very early age. Um, and for whatever reason, I was not um, drawn <laughs> The people who were secure mm. and felt good about themselves, you know, yeah. and promising careers. I was drawn kind of to, for lack of a better description, you know, the underdog or someone that felt like me that, you know, was just kind of like this lonely heart. And I, and I gravitated towards them. That being said, just to, to speed up. Um, no need to speed up by the way. <laughs> okay. So, Okay, just how do you tell? So let me let me let me also just say, um, today I'm 32 years sober. Wow. So wow. how do you tell someone in an hour, even you know, five minutes, like when you say tell your story? So that's why it's like yeah. it's, it's 
harder and harder to condense the story. <laughs> I relate. Yeah, there's just so much, you know, but I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, the reason why I'm still sober 32 years later is because my life is drastically changed, you know, but, mm-hmm. but getting into just becoming, I think, an alcoholic, um, just definitely always felt different. And very, very early on, like at the age of 12, I started drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just took the edge off. It felt good. Obviously, at 12 years old, it was it was fun for me. Even even throwing up, whatever, it was fun. Didn't have to pay rent. Didn't have responsibilities quite yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents paid your bills. So there was no real consequence mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at that point. But, you know, through the years of just, you know, partying, doing whatever you do, um, it did escalate. And it escalated to a point that was not fun anymore mm. very dark days um you know days after days after days of saying tomorrow will be different tomorrow i'll stop tomorrow this or you know uh, whether there were the warnings of you're going to lose your job um you know your head would say i'm going to moderate manage and control mm-hmm. um, that never happened you know during my drinking days i got married had a daughter was, was drinking and drugging you know during being a mom in my early days knowing that um, behavior there was not right, that I wanted to be a better mom, more responsible. But again, just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, my head said I could, but I couldn't. Yeah. And so finally just hit this um, bottom in my life at 30 years old. So I I drank and used for uh, 18 years and then just hit what I call my bottom, um, which was a very severe one. You know, again, people like me, I can only say, because not everybody, you know, talks about there's different types of people who drink, do drugs. They, some of them are periodic and it's just a phase in their life. Others, you know, they, they can use pretty heavily, but given, given sufficient reason, you know, Mm -hmm. they stop, Mm -hmm. they can stop and moderate. And then there's the person like me who no matter what, um, cannot stop. And it usually takes something pretty severe, you know, if that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to finally stop, you know, and, and realize that, that I can't do it on my own also, mm-hmm. that I needed help. And so at 30 years old, I, I hit that bottom, um, and never looked back, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just saying like one day at a time, you know, believe me, it's been that sometimes it's, literally been one hour at a time, one minute at a time as we hear, you know, life is still life. Getting sober didn't mean that all the problems go away and that things shift and change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just learning how to deal with life. And, you know, it's not always when things are challenging or bad or a loss, but it's when things are really good and life is good. And look, I got everything, everything's happening Mm -hmm. here, you know, I'm all right. Um, So I stay in the truth of who I am, you know, what my truth is. Um, so that pretty much, and then just, you know, uh, again, I believe in different support, um, programs, you know, I'm not one to wave the flag at one or another. I've learned throughout the years to be more open-minded and mm-hmm. being a myself now, um, I've met many people and not everybody's solution is the same. And definitely there are other solutions that work for other people, mm-hmm. um, other than mine. So you know, but the key that I have found in, in my sobriety is giving back, you know, is giving yeah. back and helping others. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying, keep what you can't give away. And I really believe that's true in anything in life, you know, um, just kindness, you know, just being good, just being a good human being. It doesn't have to be someone who um, 
because of drug and alcohol problem, but definitely that, since that's what we're talking about, is just the, the gift, the gift of gratitude when um, you help someone mm-hmm. and you see light go on, you know, yeah. and you shift happen and you see some hope, you know, come into their eyes. And, and then if they stick around, you know, a year later, whether you're in touch with them or not, they call you and they go, you know, you helped me. Um, and I'm celebrating a year now or, or six months or whatever, yeah. you know, it may be. And the feeling that you get for that. So, you know, I, I realized I, I wasn't someone who wanted to be in the helping field, by the way. <laughs> um, I come from a family of artists. My mom was an actress. My daughter today is a dancer, healer, entrepreneur. Um, my father was kind of like an aspiring actor. He didn't really make it, but my mom did. And, um, but I fell into the the realm of alcohol and drug addiction. So (laughs) my life didn't quite go that way. Um, but I came from that background and I pretty much always worked in entertainment in one way or another, but it was nothing fun like production or being creative. They were just very simple jobs that that had good benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I got sober and started working with women um, and just helping and giving back, I really did realize like when I was around seven, eight years sober, that it was a gift um, and that it changed my life. You know, my whole life I've been searching to be enough, you know, working at like music companies or film companies or knowing certain people very much was my identity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be able to say, Oh, I work here. I do this. You know, I know so-and-so. Yeah. And then when I started, doing my work I realized that wasn't important at all you know it was important to love me and know my truth and when that moment came I was willing to leave the music industry and um, film industry I went to school um, as a single parent at the time uh, working Um, it was hard you know but it was just something I believed in and I knew I needed to do and um and it, and, it, and it didn't, you know, nothing for me, by the way, guys, has come easy. And nothing has come overnight. Mm-hmm. Nothing has come my time. You know, what I've learned is you have to do the work. I, there's, this, there's this saying that I think is kind of fun, but it sums it all. Uh, I want the house. I don't want the mortgage. I want the car. I don't want the car note. I want to be thin and fit, but I don't want to give up sugar and work out. Uh-huh. You know, like, yeah. I, you know, I want education, but I don't want to go to school. So it's like. You know, it's, I have to be willing to do the work, you mm-hmm. know, in order to, to have the payoff. And sometimes you do the work and it doesn't just pay off right away, but it's learning that things do happen. And sometimes the gift is not how we vision it. Sometimes the gift comes differently. Um, should I just keep rolling? Uh, is it okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're great. Right. <laughs> what I didn't say, because this ties into how I landed at Music Cares and doing the work, which is really... For me, you know, one of my miracles, an amazing story is my mom, when I'd hit my bottom, that bottom, Mm -hmm. she knew a jazz singer, a woman friend of hers who she knew had gotten sober. And her name was Diane Vargas. She's passed away now. So I can say her name. And um, and so my mom reached out to her because she didn't know what to do. Like, what do I do? You know, Mm -hmm. and... Diane had told her, well, she needs to go to this hospital in Culver City. I know a guy there who will do the admissions. And his name was Buddy Arnold, this jazz musician. And he um, 
just, you know, jazz musician was working at this hospital treatment center. And so they send me there. He's the first person that I see who does my intake. And, and thus my journey begins. Mm. Fast forward. Um, Cause I don't need to get into all the drug logs and all the stuff, you know, I'm here. I wouldn't be here 32 years later if I didn't need to be, you know, I wouldn't have stayed here, <laughs> ended up if, if my life hadn't, I'll, I'll just say that it was a brutally uh, violent bottom. You know, it wasn't just like you lost some things. I mean, I thought I was going to die. I'm lucky I didn't die. Mm-hmm. Knew that if I um, made it through that night, mm-hmm. that I would do whatever it took to change. So I went to this hospital and thus, again, the journey began of, of going to you know meetings, learning what I needed to learn to stay sober, start giving back, being of service. You know, went to school, um, and funny, I ended up in a rehab. I started working at this rehab, and um, loved working there. It was a rock bottom, kind of bottom of the barrel place, but it'd been around forever. They still are; they're amazing, but they take you know every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, didn't have the benefits of working in the music industry. Like it was just a willingness to be willing and know that. I'd be okay because a lot of people also said it's a labor of love and it really is unless unless you like um yeah you know being of service and <laughs> unless you own your own business or doing something i mean there's ways to make money but definitely that time um you're gonna hear my little doggies in the back <laughs> so um i was at the rehab and very happy you know, not wanting to leave or anything. And I knew, and Buddy, since then, Buddy, this jazz musician who had done my intake, he had started years back uh, after my intake, uh, an organization called MAP, Musicians Assistance Program. Mm. And he, it was a, but a grassroots mom and pop, and he helped many A-list musicians, many people you've heard of. I mean, he was very good at what he did and raising the money. Oh my gosh. Sorry about the dogs. Yeah, that's okay. No, that's part of it. Um, and so I always was very drawn to what he was doing because I remembered him being significant in my life, and I thought it was cool what he did. But I never wanted to work for him because he was a small organization, and I was a single mom, and I needed to feel secure, like working a place that was solid and mm-hmm. had benefits. But I always just remembered, oh, that's so cool. So when I'm at Cry Help, um, oh, which is the name of the rehab that I was working at, um. There's so much to this story. Like, I guess I'll just say it and then you'll cut out or put together what, what you need to do. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, is so um, before I got to Cry Help, after I finished school, I I um, I was working when I was at Fox Film Corporation. I was an accounting. I am not an accountant. I don't like accounting. I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did. And I was looking for another job, though, and there was a job at the Recording Academy um, in accounting. So I thought, well. Recording Academy, gosh, I'd like to work there and that would be great benefits. And, you know, I was still in school at the time. Um, and so I wasn't licensed yet. And I go and, and I interview and they like me and they call me back for a second interview. And I do that. They like me and they go, we're going to have one more. So I thought, oh, I got this, right? All of a sudden, I don't hear anything from them. And I'm like really waiting, waiting. And then I get a job at I go to Capitol Records and they hire me on the spot, though I really wanted the Grammy job. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the spot was the sure thing. I took that, right? And never knowing that there was a music heritage at that time. So that's kind of a key word and just a key thing in life. Like I was disappointed in not getting it. You know that saying how they say you don't always know why you don't get what you don't get or where, why things don't work out. 
when you think yeah. about yeah. it. Because later you realize there was another uh, another gift for you, another, you know, reason um, for you. And so um, now I'm fast forwarding left Capitol Records. I'm working at this rehab. I've got my credentials. And um, I said, buddy, Buddy Arnold from MAP would send people to this rehab. And I was like, oh, yeah, buddy. But all of a sudden, I started seeing these referrals from this place called Music Care. I'm like, well, who's Music Care? What's that? Mm -hmm. They were interested. And I never wanted to leave Cry Help. Like I said, I was very happy. I never wanted to leave anywhere, to go anywhere. But all of a sudden, I see these Music Care's referrals. And I find out that they're the charitable arm of the Recording Academy. And I'm like, really <laughs> well isn't that something and you know and they were all about as you described so eloquently and perfectly that it is the terrible arm of the grammys and helping professionals who have fallen on hard times mm -hmm. and um on top of rent and medical and dental one of the things they did is also pay for addiction services and psychotherapy etc and so now here i've gone to school and this is my passion wanting to give back and, you know, make a difference. However, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't miss working in the world of great opportunity and perks and benefits. So now I hear about this music here. So I'm like, I want to be there. Mm. And I, uh, for four years, it was very small. They only had one person. There were no positions. I'm like, I got to work there. I'm like, there's no job. I'm like, no, I got to work there. Like, I know I'm supposed to be there. Like, I know it. And I did. And my soul, it was like driven in a way that, but, you know, there's also this saying when you let go, when you finally let go, then things happen. Mm -hmm. And like, as long as I was holding on tight, it just wasn't happening. Also, MAP and Music Cares would support each other. So they were not affiliated in any way, but because they did the same thing, MAP would support, like they would discuss clients and say, oh, we have a client. Do you want to pay for detox? We can pay for treatment or we'll pay for this, but can you pay for sober living or, or whatever? So there was a relationship there. Mm -hmm. But it happened, unfortunately. Um, but ironically, Buddy Arnold, um, who was the one that did my intake, yeah. also started MAP, passed away. Mm. Mm. And he had passed away, and then his wife passed away. And so now um, Music Cares and the two board boards of MAP decided to merge MAP into Music Cares mm. in 2004. And what happened is there's one position now open there. One <laughs> Arnold's position who did my intake. Wow. In yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the story as far as how I got there. And it, it you know, I, I interviewed against many people. And one of, I think, my greatest um, lines, if I, if I could tell anybody, is I, I interviewed against people who went to school with me that were like straight A's and some people that had more education than me. And, you know, it's not always about the credentials. Believe me, all, those of us that work hard for them, they matter. But I've also learned you either have to get Mm. And mm -hmm. people are not the greatest, you know, scholars, or they, they don't get the, the straight A's, but they've got the gift, you know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. et cetera. And I just thought for sure these people I'm up against, I'm not going to get this job. But I'm the one they chose. And I'd, I'd ask them later, why me? And, you know, not others, even though I believed in me, but they were like, because you had the gift, you had what we were looking for. And so I think in life, you know, just one of my um, things I always try to impress upon people is, 
don't judge yourself also don't compare yourself to other people because you'll always short mm. or your head will always lie to you mm-hmm. yeah believe in you you have to believe and just show up no matter what you know because you don't know what's around the corner and you don't know what's meant for you and so here i am now going on 18 years wow at music um started at the bottom you know and learned through i'm so passionate about working there and just being able to make a difference there's nothing greater you know as you both talked about in the beginning just giving back and making a difference and, and helping mm. and yeah. it's so fulfilling for me you know and um so i've, I've moved up to senior director throughout the years and and that none of that has come easy either. Like I said, nothing has come <laughs> that I think it should, you uh-huh. know, and it really doesn't in life. But it's been amazing. And so anyway, you may have some more specific questions about that. But so I, I, I'm here and I hope to retire here. And, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a gift and a blessing. Thank you for supporting us as well and working with us and that we can help you and that we work together. Oh, yeah. You know, that's yeah. Meeting people and... Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you, David, mm-hmm. uh, what, what uh, you've talked to me often about Music Cares. I'm familiar with it because we're friends and uh, we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've always talked in very complimentary, glowing terms about Music Cares. Mm-hmm. What, what, what makes uh, your, and your, uh, as a therapist, uh, a, a coach, uh, what in your mind makes Music Cares special? Well, I think that it's a, great way that benefits uh, people who are making their living in music. I think one of the big misconceptions, and we know this living in Nashville, and Shireen, I'm sure you would maybe echo this from LA, but um, the perception that because someone has a, a record deal or because they're making their living in music, that they must be inundated with bazillions and bazillions of resources and dollars, <laughs> and yeah. therefore, you know, they're in need of nothing. And, um, man, that is just so far from the truth. And very often, um, especially I think in our creative areas where people are prone to maybe some things in a different way than others, uh, there's an opportunity there for them to get into some unique situations where they need help. Um, and music cares doesn't just cover, you know, behavioral health work, which I'll let Shireen speak to, you know, as well. Um, but the the thing that is really encouraging to me is that um, I can have somebody that is um, really struggling and Music Cares is here to say, okay, you know, what's the need? Um, here's, here's what we can do. And, um, and they've been very easy and fast to work with, but they always take the need of the individual, uh, in my experience, uh, first, it's not, I, I don't ever feel like they're, um, looking for reasons not to help someone, <laughs> which is sometimes yeah. even with nonprofits that exist to help others. Sometimes I get the feeling that, you know, there's such a, a huge, uh, pushback that it's going to take, you know, before the person's catastrophically affected before we get help. And so, um, I've just found them to be super easy to work with and they, and they understand, uh, they understand recovery, they understand addiction, they understand mental health, uh, and they understand hell, having your van robbed, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they get all that. And, uh, so musicians often are having to make excuses for their, 
livelihood or their lives. And at Music Cares, I don't experience uh, musicians to have to uh, make excuses for the way they make their living or why they end up with a lack of resources, I guess, is a, I could have said that in a quicker way, but. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shireen, uh, you've really seen, uh, I would imagine during your time there, you've seen the organization not only grow, but perhaps also evolve? Has it has it changed over time or have you seen that there are cultural changes that you've had to adapt to over your time with Music Cares? What kind of trends are you seeing in your organization and uh, in the population that you're called to help? That's a great question. And yes, yes, absolutely. It's shifted and changed and grown and um, just from uh, our clients, you know, the amount of clients that we help per year and, and the services we provide. I mean, our core services um, started out like when I was there was just, yes, helping with addiction, um, mental health, if they needed rent, you know, paid mm-hmm. or a bill um, or a dental need, things like that. Now we also put on monthly um, panels and workshops before COVID. It was in person. Wow. Now pretty much everything is on Zoom because they're being extremely safe and following protocol. But we always are about education, awareness, and prevention. And we have different topics um, every month, um, just discussing different needs with with all of those um, services. We're in festivals, we're out at festivals and um, award shows. David, I don't know if you've been to any of those or not, but we have what's called the safe harbor room backstage um, in the artist area to give recovery support to um, to anybody working the festival, not just musicians. And also just to be clear too, music care, it's not just for musicians. It's This is why I love it. It's, it's for like the underdog. It's for the people who, it's for the tour bus drivers, yeah. it's for the guitar mm-hmm. You know, it's for anybody who works in the industry. We do want to help, mm-hmm. you know, and there is a misconception. Some people think, oh, I, I don't have a, a record, you know, I, or I'm not like the A-list musician. Actually, those aren't the people that we really help. They call us mm-hmm. as they may want our referrals or our expertise, you know, in referring, but they don't need our money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're also backstage um, or at festivals. We have a hearing initiative right now to protect people's ears. And so we, oh, good. with audiology companies, they come in and we're, we're right there live backstage, the audiology company, and they do the custom ear molds right there while they're sitting there, put the goo in their ear, they send it out to the lab, and then they're mailed four to six weeks later to the artist or crew member, whoever, and the music cares pays for it. Wow. Um, we do a lot of that, but a, a focus right now, and, and we've been, I think, leaning towards that, and I think we always embraced it but now there's been a push you know because of what's going on in the world and that's really a focus on the lgbtq community mm-hmm. latin x women mm-hmm. um, black collective you know and any 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 underserved population you know we really have i feel stepped in and really made a significant um push you know in in wanting to let those communities know that we're there you know, and, and, and there's support there for them. And so we we have 10 uh, groups nationwide, again, on Zoom. Um, but I can send you the list as well if you don't have it already. Six of them are recovery, uh, addiction recovery groups. One is a women's group. One is LGBTQ. One is um, black 
collective and then the other is just like an emotional wellness. Mm -hmm. So really um, are trying the best way we can to just support everyone and do what we can out there. And mm. yeah. I, I wonder if I can ask, if I can jump in one more time here. I wonder if I can ask you, Shereen, how you uh, keep your own uh, emotional uh, fuel tank full. Uh, I do know that in this kind of service work, uh, you know, there is such a thing as compassion fatigue. Uh, we can get worn out. Uh, I, I really resonate with your description of the, uh, you know, just this wonderful feeling that we get from giving back. And I also know that giving and giving and giving and giving can lead, if I'm not attending to self-care or doing the right things, to my own kind of spiritual, emotional exhaustion. So obviously you've been doing this a long time. How do you keep yourself stable? Oh my gosh, Nate, that is one of the best questions you could ask. Mm -hmm. I almost want to cry right now. You asked me mm -hmm. that question. Like I'm so, that is such a good question. Um, it's hard. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, it is hard. And I will tell you, we just were discussing our upcoming panels and workshops. And I said, we need to do a panel on who's taking care of the caretaker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I will tell you that, especially these last two years with COVID, just to give you a example, we've always been busy. You know, we've always, there's never a lack of need for people needing help. So we're not, we're not seasonal. People say, Oh, have you slowed down? I don't know. We don't ever slow down. Like, <laughs> Like there's not ever anybody that doesn't yeah. help for something throughout throughout the year. But right before COVID, our our number of clients served for the fiscal year was about seventy eight hundred people. And that's still a lot of people. Wow. Um, people for our fiscal whole fiscal year. When COVID hit, I kid you not, the first six weeks of COVID, we had helped thirty thousand. People. Wow. No. And it was a skeleton crew. If, if I'm lying, 30,000 was close, but definitely was 18 to 20, but I think it could have been. But anyway, 18,000 for sure. Now we're way past 35,000 in the last two years, but I think yeah. 30. I mean, like, because every single person in the industry, even those that had made money and that were touring and just came yeah. to a halt, as you know. Yeah. We were a skeleton crew of, you know, 12 people. Um, we were so lucky. Didn't know I was in fear. Like, is music here? Is going to be around? Are we going to get money? I mean, everything just came to a halt. But so many people stepped in. It was amazing and overwhelming the amount of financial support that we got through companies and, and just organizations and humans. And we were able to raise like over $30 million, you know, um, within the first wow. two months. Um, so, but to give you an idea, the reason why I say that is we were working endless, endlessly 25. I mean, literally it felt like 24 hours a day, like it did because we were just entering these applications and trying to generate these checks out to people. And honestly, looking back, it's like the world was in a state of trauma and we were so busy that I can speak for myself personally. I wasn't even able to identify my own trauma, what was going on. Like it was hard to even believe what was happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let alone process it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but everybody was just kind of on autopilot with us. We had our job, other people didn't have a job, but 
anyway, um, a lot of crying, a lot of reaching mm-hmm. out to support, a lot of um, whatever your thing would be to connect with, yeah. with you know, your spirit, mm-hmm. pausing, knowing you're not alone in that crying, talking it through. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things I learned in school, mm-hmm. and David, I, I think you Nate said you're you're a therapist or coach. I, I'm 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 a coach as well, a licensed coach. Um, but you know, is it's hard because throughout the years I can say I finally some people, if they were to look on the outside, might even think, God, you're kind of cool, you know, or or aren't you affected by that? Well, you learn how to have compassion, but you have you have to also professionally disconnect. Else, yes, you go home right. and it just rips you apart mm-hmm. and you're exhausted because taking on that emotional energy and the cases are very difficult mm-hmm. and they're very emotional. And I can't say that I perfectly always never bring it home. Um, sometimes, you know, you bring it home, but, but it's also knowing that the field we're in, we're going to hear some sad stories and sad situations and there's going to be heartbreak and you got to be prepared for it. You got to like be able to deal with that and know that that's part of part of the game. And, and then also just my own, you know, when I know that I needed emotional tune-up for me to get therapy myself mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or to connect with healthy people who I know are healthy and going to give healthy feedback and answers and not be codependent and say, Oh yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that is one of the greatest questions you could ask because, um, and I, I myself, I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I kind of know my gauge because again, just being transparent which I think is also so important. If we act like everything's are, are always okay, then are we really helping our other colleagues, you know, in the field? Right. Alone, just our clients who are human beings and need to know we're human too. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we all do this together? But I know that like when I start getting edgy and irritable mm-hmm. and, I, and I find myself not being so compassionate and being, you know, um, exhausted easily or just irritated easily, then that means I probably need to take a a big breath, slow down. What's going on with you? What do you need to do? Meaning me, you know, to take care of me so I can come back to the compassionate person that I know I am and want to be. So I don't know if that answers, you know, or help, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, that is, I see way too many people. I feel very fortunate in the years that I've been at Music Cares and just been um, sober. I can't tell you how many clinicians I've seen who are licensed, you know, PhD, you know, they're psychiatrists, psychologists, but they're in recovery and they've relapsed, you know, uh-huh. or counsel, whatever, because the burnout rate and just not taking care of themselves and the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Shireen, getting back to the, a more logistical question about music cares, um, where do you all, uh, get the resources? Is it, um, labels and publishers and all, uh, artists that pay in? How does, how's it, how does music cares fund itself? Well, all of that that you just mentioned, I Mm -hmm. mean, luckily we have, there's many different ways that the money does come in. Those are some that you just mentioned. Our biggest fundraiser of the year, um, which brings in the most um, money, is two days before the Grammys. And it's called Person of the Year. Mm. And it's two days before the Grammys because everybody's in town, like the labels and everybody to go to the Grammys. Mm. And so then we have our musical fundraiser, which is, honoring like an A-list artist. Um, and it's an evening of about 
3,800 people that show up to the convention center, a beautiful sit-down dinner. And then it's an evening of top entertainment that the, so like this, this year, we just put it on pause. I don't know if you guys saw, we just had to postpone the Grammys. It was this mm-hmm. month, end of the month. Um, and our person of the year was going to be Joni Mitchell. Wow. So just as an example, it's her. And then she, she lets us know who she wants to invite as artists to come that night and they all sing her song. So that's a bunch of A-list artists the whole evening Mm. where they sing the artist songs and then the artist closes out the evening themselves. During that time, we also have auctions that are going on silent and live that evening. But that's our biggest fundraiser. Um, where we bring in the bulk mm-hmm. of our money to help. But then throughout the year, um, you know, it's just, I've learned too, because my site isn't the grant department or the fundraising, but I've learned through being there, like even the festivals that we're at, a lot of people have chosen to give us 25 cents, 50 cents on the dollar per ticket um, at festivals, you wow. know, um, or, wow. or if there's concerts, you know, um, so there's so many different ways. I mean, we have house concerts that are held um, nationwide and someone will open their home and have a private concert, like, you know, John Legend or mm-hmm. whoever. So of course, they invite X amount of people and they have dinner and each plate costs so much. And so, you know, there's 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 different ways to, um, to weave that in. I mean, we've had, yeah, there's there's so many different ways that we've, received money and get money. Um, but that would be the, our largest fundraiser. The person. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, this certainly has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, time here has flown. It seems like we've just been talking for 15 minutes and I'm watching the counter here. We're cracking it away. Um, Shireen, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us mm-hmm. and sharing your story with our listeners. Yes. Uh, and the big takeaway for me is, uh, the, is service is a key to recovery. S- service is a key to long-term recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to see how the big wreck that you made of your life, uh, by, if we want to believe it, and I do, the intervention of a benign, loving, higher power has been turned into something beautiful and productive, making the world into a better place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Wonderful good. to have you with mm-hmm. us. Thank you for having me. Great way to start the day. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks <laughs> for the early hour out there. <laughs> I don't ever do anything for you guys. I know that you have your Nashville contacts, but now you know I'm the one. Like, if I can ever just, you've got my number now, reach out to me. I can be your person. Like, I'm there for you. Well, if you ever need any at all. Absolutely. Thanks. We appreciate that. Awesome. Absolutely. Take care. All right. All right. L- listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And our guest today, Nate, um, was really inspiring to me because I I love Music Cares and I have benefited from um, their their help with my clients and so mm-hmm. much. 
And uh, I've wanted people to know about them because so much of the time, you know, the entertainment community gets kind of a bad rap. They kind of get, you know, all the stereotypes of, uh, you know, being self-serving and, uh, you know, self-absorbed, self-interested, egocentric. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and there are these great pockets within the entertainment community that are doing such great work and and covering, a, you know, multiple uh, avenues of uh, not just, uh, you know, like we said, mental health issues or behavioral health or recovery, but um, very basic things. And, and as Shireen pointed out, even, you know, from the roadie and the bus driver all the way up. Uh, the food yeah. chain, so to speak. But um, and and in our conversation after uh, the recording, you know, we had asked her about process addictions, and I wanted to be sure that we made the listeners aware that they also uh, deal with uh, people struggling with sexual compulsivity and food issues and anything that you would need to experience help with in any number of ways. They're there to uh, help people get funding. So I'm excited. I'm real excited that we got to showcase their work today. Yeah, yeah, that was a was a real gift and a real inspiration. Well, uh, hey, before we go, we certainly want to talk for a little bit about our sponsor. Yeah. What can you tell us about our sponsor? Dave? Well, uh, much like Music Cares, <laughs> uh, <laughs> except they're not free, but they're but they're very affordable. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp dot com is uh, our friend and sponsor here on the podcast. And you can access them by uh, going to betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, and you'll get a discount on your initial sign up. but you will have access to a licensed therapist. Um, and, and again, you can talk with them about anything you would go to a, a more um, conventional therapy session for, uh, it, except you get to do this in the privacy and the comfort of your own home or your own space that you have your choosing. Um, but they will deal with you from uh, everything from your own issues with depression, uh, anxiety, feeling stuck, uh, recovery issues, LGBTQ issues, anything that you would seek the help of an uh, otherwise uh, trained professional in your area. Better help is there to um, be available to you uh, at the convenience of your own space and, and your own home. And it's better help dot com slash positive sobriety for that discount and it also lets us know that our resources are helping you so uh be sure and check awesome. out betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety awesome well david uh that's it for this conversation we have plenty of other uh, great guests in the pipeline we do Good shows coming up for 2022 it's going to be a big year yeah uh in the meantime as always we really appreciate any feedback from our listeners and you can always reach us uh, at uh, positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com well that's it for this week until next time i'm nate and i'm david and we are your pals on the positive sobriety podcast the positive sobriety podcast is recorded at crossroads for the nations in brentwood tennessee Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 